This is another episode of Underbench Staples. You're very welcome to it. My name is Russell. I'm Patrick. And I'm going to say it. I liked this episode. Ooh-wee. After the last couple of episodes of this week with Pros v. Hose, no. <laughs> pros v. Home Chefs. Uh, it's been a bit, in my opinion, but I really liked tonight's episode. Really, really good final one to round off the week before the elimination challenge, don't mm. you think? And it threw almost everybody into the elimination. Yeah. that li- There's literally two people safe Yeah, on Sunday's elimination slash Friday's elimination. And it isn't even on the dish that they cooked. No. <laughs> That's the game, I guess. So our last contestants to take part in their challenge were Theo, Rue and Brent. And they were up against the team from one of the hottest restaurants in the country, not even open a year. It's uh, Serai, which is in Melbourne. It's a modern Filipino restaurant where a lot of the food is cooked over fire. Uh, Ross, Shane and Leandro were there cooking on behalf of the restaurant. And it was time for a time v ingredients style challenge. Mm. And it made so re- it isn't the auction. No, as we. As we speculated, and it isn't the choosing a time f- mm. for a specific pantry. It's about waiting the longest. It made me think about the various different versions of time v ingredients that are actually part of it. Because we thought about those two, and then we were like, "Oh, but what about the one where the clock counts down, and there's just lots of different throws over different pantry selections?" Mm. So it's quite an interesting one. There was twelve different tables on display. A different ingredient group revealed every four minutes. So ultimately, the maximum time you could have... Well, it was 75-minute challenge. I think it was, what, 31 minutes? Was, 31. Yeah, was the eventual amount that could be shown off. It's an interesting mix of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I seem to remember they did this challenge last year, and I think it was either Sarah or Billy held on until crazy time just mm. to get a specific ingredient i think it was also shellfish yeah so it gave elements of that and as as ever in this challenge there's always that contestant or two who holds on just out of curiosity until the very end and this was no exception brent really pushed it as literally as far as possible in this um but i guess his trajectory over the last couple of weeks has been getting stronger and getting more successful and getting more confident so i guess he knew in his heart just over 30 minutes was completely possible to do a dish and i guess in a way you I guess the mentality of it is rather than as was the case some contestants thinking up a recipe on the fly he had the guts of what an hour 45 minutes or so 
to develop a recipe yeah. as he went along in case the last thing was like water and it was like this is what you got to use you know the type of thing it was really interesting so uh, how should we go through this do you want to go through the different I have a list of all the um, <laughs> pantries okay. and where everyone left off go through those do you want to go through um, the contestants as they peel away from the group then how about yeah. that so first uh, table that was unveiled was the pantry staples no takers second was fresh aromats so uh, uh, onions galangal ginger turmeric and garlic no takers another four minutes passed wines and grapes no takers followed by fresh veggies mushrooms sprouts zucchini flowers tomatoes spuds again no takers um, and that was a bit of a surprise because I guess there was a little bit of stuff that could be done there yeah. uh, especially with the underbench things I guess no one wanted to make pasta or anything particularly creative. Yeah. I guess they had all an idea in their minds. Yes. So we went off fifth uh, with 59 minutes left and it was beef. And Theo and Leandro from the restaurant went for it. Um, Leandro wasn't too sold on it until uh, Andy started flapping his meat around in the <laughs> air like that and he was like okay cool I went for it and he went in then very confident into what he was doing and the idea where he was going whereas Theo was the first contestant to go off and kind of said yeah and then struggled Mm. really struggled as if to say why did I decide to do that even the judges clocked him Mm. that like he has no idea what he is doing Mm. and that persisted until the end really yeah it was kind of like what it was the worry that was just shy of an hour and what could be done Um, probably not the time that he should have gone off I'd say let's talk about his cook so it was kind of filled with a lot of worry about balance and acidity ultimately that was the thing that he was criticised most for was a lack of balance um, with his flavours but they knew that he knew that all along it did sound nice I guess it was Wagyu looked beautifully cooked stuffed mushrooms potential to be very very oily Mm. but good flavour there and a bone marrow butter just something I guess very chefy very creative just to elevate it that little bit if only he held out till the next category the next table fruits Mm, just he'd have had the lemon Mm. he'd he could have that could have changed his thinking around the dish Mm. how to use the protein Um, but ultimately he couldn't use that so I think he got stuck Mm, which is a real shame because I think they did say like beautifully cooked steak lacked acidity but it was essentially the challenge that got you because the cooking was there Mm. which is a real shame Um, whereas Leandro um, wow that Mm. dish my god Uh, he was so calm he had some nice ideas it was kind of like it actually was very much a perfect example of pro cook versus home cook yes. because they were both essentially cooking the very similar ingredients as the base they both had mushrooms they both had um, steak they both had the bone marrow and it was how they did it each that was quite interesting uh, we'll add in Theo did use the hibachi so he's on the table he's now joined first on the table right. with the, cool. um, with Brent actually uh, just in case anyone's really caring um, I think it's it's interesting that you put it into that context because 
that is exactly epitomizing this challenge. Mm. Here is kind of the same ingredients. However, yeah. here is how a chef treats it. Mm. And here is how a contestant who is going through the motions mm. and who is confused or has a confused idea. And on the opposite mm. end, here is a chef who has razor sharp vision, who knows exactly the, the thing he's going to cook. And for Theo, that's an education in, okay, understanding how the same ingredients in the hands of a proper chef mm. could create a truly amazing plate of food. It was interesting, though, that Theo from the get-go, like, they all joked that it was like, you could have gotten the first box. No bother, you know? Um, because he could have just made bread. And he really was insistent on not making bread. And I was like, in his little bit of a panicking moment, I kind of couldn't help but think maybe he should have done something with bread at some point just to have his comfort blanket in a way. Still do the steak, still do something with the mushrooms, but maybe just bring in the flatbread element or whatever it is just to mm. just to have that comfort blanket, I guess, in a way. Um, so, yeah, neither of them won. Um, Leandro was having a great time. He has always dreamt of being on MasterChef, which is quite cute, declared that he he had a crush on Mel, which was very cute as well. Um, that had been his storyline in this episode. He wasn't in contention, he's just so a they fan. just amped up that end just yeah. to give him some airtime. And so he was just a fan. Good for him. Yeah, I like I like seeing that. It's nice to see people, and it's also nice to see the respect that the Australian restaurant scene has for the show, because I. I'm presuming that um, other countries, the United Kingdom, the respect for the contestants amongst the restaurant industry might not be necessarily the same. Yes, they entertain them in terms of come into the restaurant, do a lunch service type of stuff might be the case. But I don't think they're quite, it's not quite at the same level. Mm. Um, so that was quite nice to see. Moving back to the... Each uh, of the tables. Each of the tables. At this point, only two of the six have mm. started cooking and a, a significant chunk of the time, a quarter of an hour is already gone. Uh, another four minutes pass and then sixth comes up fruit, as you mentioned, sort of likes of lemons, uh, blueberries, all sorts of different things. Rue decides to go off for this, as always had a dish in mind for something sweet hmm. in her head. Uh, sounded really nice. A lemon parfait, a blueberry sorbet, a meringue shard and a blueberry compote. Yes. That's a lot in 50... Mm, four minutes? 59, 8, 7, 6. Five minutes. Yeah, 56 minutes, yeah. Not a lot of time to do a lot of things. Um, and I think ultimately, I think she really was kicking herself for taking on so much. Um, a bit, not a, not a surprise that she did a dessert. No, oh, it's starting to get boring, though. Mm. I'm starting to lose interest in her as a cook and as a contestant and that's a shame but every time I hear the dish that she's gonna do I go of course I know and it's all just a bit samey a bit simple mm. you know so this had just been an example of that again and taking on too much and handing off the time got her in the end because yeah. she just threw too many processes at this especially frozen ones now the parfait worked 
It looked really, really nice. I think um, she's really mastering that. And the idea of doing a large one flat is going to make sure you're going to get that nicely set in time. Um, but it was interesting that they said if you weren't focused on making a sorbet the whole time, you could have perfected the different elements that little bit better. So everything would have, the things that were eventually on the plate would have been perfect. The jam or the, the coulis um, that she made was perfect. They were really impressed with that but the other elements of parfait and the meringue not quite I mean and in this kind of arena having an amazing coulis or compote or sauce is not enough I'm sorry mm-hmm. I, it's getting to the pointy end of the competition and that is just not enough yeah yeah so isn't it great that this is a, a group. cook to try to get immunity instead of an elimination because yeah. I think that could have hurt her um, so by this point there's three half of the yeah contestants have started two of the contestants from the restaurant and one contestant from the show no two of the show and one chef I was saying our remaining oh okay <laughs> it's actually the same yeah 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 no it's the other way anyway um, we've moved on then to the seventh table with 51 minutes left seaweeds that was an interesting little mix of things mm. no takers there the eighth table that was a weird one quail and quail's eggs um, I guess naturally quail can cook in a short amount of time so I guess when they're thinking of a form of poultry they have to think and consider the time and not be unrealistic with it so that is fair uh, nine with 43 minutes was herbs and spices I was surprised there's no takers here as well I think that'd have been the place I'd have jumped off at yeah um, but someone did jump off at the 10th point with 39 minutes with grains uh, Ross who was the head chef he went off with those mm. there's no chance he had any grains in that dish no no chance whatsoever no now that you mentioned that, yeah, no. I wonder if that's when the time thing came along in terms of, like, going through all of the dishes from left to right and thought, I can execute this. And if this has the thing I think it needs, mm. is it kind of like what Theo had. If Theo had waited four minutes yeah. to go to here and then see what's next there's that added bonus of sticking along and maybe that was his mentality that he's like okay okay it's not going to get any better than this I'm just going to go now and maybe that was it because mm. um, yeah grain, not a single grain <laughs> let's well, talk about Ross's cook shall we yeah so he did a twist on a steak tartare uh, Kilowin beef or beef yeah. Kilowin, yeah. I've not never heard of it myself, but the concept of like a Filipino tartar, yes, mm. with a Filipino dressing, bo- bone marrow, spicy water, smoke, spice, acidity, mm. keeping the protein raw. Yeah, interesting. The, the way, like, there was a lot of flame going on. Like, mm. that, that that beef was being smoked to an inch of its life mm. um, with a lot of flame just on the exterior of it, but still keeping it nice and raw. And then it was cubed up really beautifully. Uh, re- so much flavour, I'd say, in there. Really impressed with that. The presentation of it was gorgeous. Like, 
they were describing it as be it's like being in the restaurant got a clap of course um yeah mel got emotional even eating and was like this is brilliant so mm. i think definitely because it was the first dish tasted it was definitely one to beat and i don't think it was possible to do so but a really really interesting dish and i think um while i in yesterday's episode i said about how i, d- I felt that uh it was a disadvantage in this kind of relay that they could do a dish from the restaurant i think this is very different because they're still cooking what's their what is their strength not necessarily a restaurant dish and it's still giving off the same story of the restaurant but it's not necessarily the advantage of just recreate something from the restaurant, if you know what I mean. Yeah, although each of the chefs had said like, oh, this is a thing mm. that we do in the restaurant. Mm. So they, that upper hand that you mm. criticised yesterday, they are still applying yeah. that here as yeah. well. Although, yeah, although... Mm, it is true it is true I just feel the upper hand was slightly less here um, and a bit more exciting as well because there was three demonstrations of what the restaurant can do as opposed to one cohesive one throughout Um, so Ross got high praise really really good really happy with that shall anything else to say on him no um then there's only two tables left, two types of ingredients left. And at this point, they are down to 35 minutes to cook. Ooh. So Shane had made a point in one of the off-camera pieces that he was hoping for seafood anyway, because even with less time, seafood is a quick cook thing anyway. Had an idea based on all the ingredients going forth. And voila, the 11th table voila. was seafood Uh, some gorgeous looking things there the main thing I think that anyone took away um, were the Morton Bay bugs and that's what Shane took and Brent standing there on his own yeah he's still he's still held off and I guess in his head it was either I get 35 or 31 it's all pretty much the Mm. same and curiosity got the better of him and he held off so if we talk about Shane first and then Brent Mm. so Shane did a palapa yeah a palapa butter yeah Um, on top of the Morton Bay bugs the on the hibachi on the hibachi the Morton Bay bugs were kind of cooked in several different uh, layers I guess taken apart Mm. skewered on some bits of it cooked over the hibachi lots of flavour I think didn't he take it and make like the butter had like the heads and stuff Mm -hmm. like that in it as well like lots of complex flavours lots of layers of flavours in there Um, and then the presentation of it at the very end as he just spooned on that fruit salsa under the mm. shell popped the shell back on top it was really really impressive and really gorgeous wasn't interesting it? that like the fruits came up just under an hour mm. but the seafood took 20 more off the time mm. in order to get and I would say as the fruits came along and probably the spices he thought oh I have to to hold on to get the seafood or to get the shellfish so he probably took 
the greatest risk in terms of he knew exactly the thing he would do mm-hmm. and it was just amazing it was spectacular looking they, the judges described as faultless many many layers of flavour five star cooking that was a dish that was probably one of the dishes of the day without doubt yeah really really I amazing so. stuff um, really interesting seeing the cooking style and seeing them in this pre- in this environment especially I guess they were all what I guess maybe 20 minutes apart then about 8 minutes apart and just seeing the different levels and of mm-hmm. creativity and skill amongst them from their kitchen but all all the dishes all seem to have a similar theme going on a similar look very consistent on the look if that was put up as three courses on a menu type of thing they all had a similar vision to them Mm. which is really uh, commendable to see that even though it wasn't consulted or anything like that they know what the rest they know the restaurant through and through and it still was there on the plate so that was quite uh, nice to see Um. I guess there's no one else to talk about then is there the last man standing oh yeah Brent is still there Brent is still there waiting for his four more minutes and lo and behold it is the luxury table with three whole ingredients on it gold leaf truffle and caviar hope it was worth it thankfully it seemed to have been his dish did sound incredible is that the thing you thought would be under that cloche I thought I thought it'd be a trick I'd love to know in his mind what he was waiting for and mm. and hoping for because I don't imagine it was like truffle caviar or gold leaf no all things that you would really only present in the plating up as like a garnish mm. I wonder if the mentality behind that is you've had all this time you're not going to have a big curveball thrown out there so everything I guess would have to be complimentary is that kind of where it's at that it's like here's the, here is like a gold leafed dish that's just a little bit better and a truffle dusting and everything like that that's a little bit better than the dish you were about to deliver four minutes ago I wouldn't it's hard to know I, don't, I wasn't exactly going wow that's so amazing were you? Kind of not. And like, could you imagine if you got to that point and then the thing you're planning on cooking, caviar truffle or gold leaf, haven't got any mm. place on that and then you don't even use it? Like, I guess the best way maybe to imagine it is if you go through the five other dishes that were plated up and think of how maybe each of those three things might have a place in. So I'm thinking uh, Theo's steak, obviously, would have a lot more ingredients, but, like, um, truffle shavings on top of the steak would look really good, Mm -hmm. and the flavour from it would be uh, excellent, especially with the mushroom, too. I guess an extra uh, umami flavour going on. Ruse visually would have benefited from having the gold leaf. Actually, would have looked pretty on the meringue and everything. But you couldn't have achieved I know. that in the time exactly um, not at all no um, the, again the steak and the mushrooms again on um, Leandro's and then Shane's caviar I guess 
only thing that would work there and that was only a few minutes in the difference anyway yeah it's hard to know yeah it's hard to know if there's really a huge benefit now it did work in Brent's favour it sure it was did. something that they complimented the use yes. of the caviar and I like that he played it up at the table that was nice and like a really generous helping of caviar as well that the caviar became the hero of the dish yeah everything else just complimented the caviar mm. so he did a uh, stuffed tempura courgette flowers stuffed with shellfish and a shellfish mayo with caviar wow beautiful mm. beautiful I think like all of that time he spent agonising in the wait clearly he had thought to an absolute T this is the exact thing I'm going to make here are the techniques I have to achieve I know I can do it and then he just ran and he built it up over the whatever it is 40 odd minutes if you go through all of the ingredients that he would have used so the staples were used there for sure um the courgette flowers and the vegetables um yeah there's kind of something for maybe each quadrant mm. going along there just to add those different elements um i really really like the sound of the moose yes. gorgeous gorgeous sounding dish i love that mel is you know clearly a fried food fan as well mm-hmm. and appreciated you know fried food caviar beautiful seafood happy days. Like, you know it's it's that beautiful it's Hilo yeah. isn't it I love Hilo the description the most luxurious version of prawn toast I ah. need to eat that immediately yeah yeah so then it was clear there was three who were pretty good and then three who were outstanding yeah that was Brent Ross and Shane yeah each I, I think contenders in their own right absolutely I did like that it wasn't a clean sweep for Mm. one or the other Uh, I actually forgot to say um, um, earlier on about Leandro's steak him torching the butter table side I lived for that looked that was just like so that's the thing you do allow table side is it now after your table side rant a few episodes ago I liked how that was done because it's fire Although flambe is fire too. Anyway, I liked that because it was a nice touch just to make sure that that butter was nicely melted. It was super unexpected. Yeah. I did not expect... He had that roche so beautifully on the steak and And I thought, oh, okay, cool. And and then then he he flamed it. Then he did Nelly Goulding and he was going to let it burn. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was a very very clever thing to do also on his dish the colour the gnarly crust of that beautiful steak was stunning yeah hibachi helped it on a lot Mm. Um, but it was not his day he had a great time anyway (laughs) (laughs) great time was had by all so then between the two chefs between Shane and Ross Shane Ross yeah. yeah. Between Ross and Shane, if the judges really had to split hairs, who do you think they'd have gone to go up against Brent in actuality? I think Ross's. 
the tartar. tartar. Yeah. Hmm. I think Shane. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, it's so simple. And also the descriptions were a bit more, I guess, with Shane's, they were a bit more like five-star dish, this is perfect, everything like that. Jock spoke up to the gantry and he said, like, everybody, this is complex. Even though it looks simple, this here is super complex. Did Shane get a clap? I don't know. He did not get a clap. But Ross did. See. So would the would the clap be clap. would the clap be the defining Spare thing? Spare me the claps, please. I know, I know. It is the clappiest show I've ever seen in my life. Before claps were used as praise. It's almost as if they invented the clap. <laughs> they just love clap and screaming and sc- shouting. There's just clapping overload. Yeah. So Okay, then how about we agree that it was Ross? Okay. Could Ross have still won against Brett? Uh, against Brent? Yeah. So ultimately... I think I think ultimately it would have been regardless. I think the adventure... There was a lot more adventure with the flavour. There was a lot more inventiveness with the flavour. Um... Brent deserves to be very commended for his dish and he rightly was his top three there hasn't been an example of a top three all week that features a contestant so it just shows how close he is he has come and also how high up in the esteem of the judges he is as well mm. compared to a lot of others on that point this week the two top stars are Grace and Brent Yes. The only two to really kind of yeah. compete. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. That is interesting, yeah. Isn't it? Because, like... I guess one is an underdog and the other... Well, not an underdog, because Grace has always slayed in our eyes, but one one who's kind of been under the radar a little bit, maybe. And then the other one's been very much in the forefront purely because he's a returning contestant and everything. They're both starting to pull out now yeah ahead of others I yeah. think we probably thought Theo mm. had been like a front runner early early on but he's kind of stumbled a bit in, into the crowd now mm. and after this week it's pretty much all about Brent because he just came off getting the pin mm. he's just come like a whisker close mm. to getting immunity if it comes to it I don't think he'll play the pin no matter what the challenge is on Sunday I don't think he'll play the pin no because I think he is determined to go as far as possible and knows again that thing of one week on don't use it the next week I'm just putting that out there yeah. we'll watch it tomorrow we'll probably go Interesting. first minute I'm not doing this I'm sick yeah. of cooking um, I'm tired yeah I'm tired yeah, exactly um, next episode is going to be uh, Friday night UK and Ireland and on Sunday night in the past in Australia um, and it's Rick Stein it's Rick Stein it's Rick Stein which is going to be an interesting one really and like Rick <laughs> he, he, he strolls in almost as 
as it as if he like strolled in off the street and he just found himself there. Oh, hello, everybody! I kind of felt that last time as well. It was very similar, where I it's just kind of like, oh, here he is. He's like an awkward. <laughs> he, I, I love it. Like, I kind of always love his shows because he is un. He's like very natural. He's unnaturally natural. If that makes sense, and it, his presence is always a little bit awkward. It's like when he gives out about things, he comes across as a grumpy man, and then two seconds later, you just want to go for a drink and have dinner with him because he's so lovely. It's he's just very natural. Yeah. Um, and I guess in that kind of environment, this screamy, shouty, clappy, steady cam following you the whole way is very not him. He's mm. very like Keith Floyd in the sense of, hi, it's 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 Rick and it's me and my cameraman and my other cameraman. And this is what we do. Mm. I guess that environment is very unusual um, for him in a lot of cases. However, very excited to see him back in the kitchen. Excited to see what the challenge is. Again, not giving very much away. Is it connected to the class or the demonstration that he's doing I wonder or or unconnected I don't know I hope so I, ho- I by the sounds of the of the audio it sounded like he was saying things during the cooking bit because it didn't really give off the impression that that was a master class mm. and what's the point in having someone like him if you're not going to use them for a challenge yeah like it is it is an elimination so maybe it is one set by him he set I one would before. Say so. He set one before, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. So I would say so. Just do fish and chips. And there are ten contestants <laughs> yeah. competing. Two of which have pins. And two others mm. are up on the gantry: Antonio mm. and Rhiannon. Oh yeah. Grace could have been up there yeah. if she wasn't ill. Yeah. Last Sunday. Yeah. So there's only two up there there's ten on the floor there's oh, two who have pins stress. we know the two are not going to play their pins because if this is Rick St- the Rick Stein Declan is not going or Brent yeah. because they're both great at fish yeah. so they are not playing no. it whatsoever yeah. unless they have an unholy disaster yeah wait and see can't wait to see that'll be tomorrow night's episode thank you for listening to Underbent Staples we'll catch you again tomorrow bye 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 bye